welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. Absorb this with me for just a moment. You're always one decision away from a totally different life. You are always one choice, one step, one decision away from a totally different life. Every choice you make has consequences, good and bad. Every choice you make has a ripple effect to people around you currently and those far beyond you. You are only one decision away from a totally different life. If you have your Bibles and you were to pick them up for the first time and start reading them, you would begin maybe probably somewhere in the New Testament because that's where Jesus is and you would open up the the letters of Paul and you would open up the other New Testament writers and you would begin to see a pattern and you would find a character all throughout there that would make you think as it's repeated often, who is this person? Who is this person I keep reading about all throughout these letters that they're referencing back to? As a matter of fact, if you turned in your Bibles to like Romans chapter 9 verse 8, this is what you would find. It would say this. It would say, this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Now, if you read that, you would say, well, what's this promise, and who are the children of offspring? What is this talking about? And then you would read in Galatians, it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's no male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Then we're like, amen to that. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to To the promise, there's that repetition of promise and offspring repeated again in the letters. If you were to turn over into the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it would talk about this man again. It would say, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You would read the Bible and you would begin to see this man named Abraham and you would begin to ask all types of questions. Who is he? What's he about? Why does everyone keep referencing back to Abraham? And so for the next few weeks, as we are venturing through the Bible together, this never-ending story, we started it on January 1, and we said for the rest of the year, we are going to go from beginning to the end. We will not hit every book. We will not hit every chapter. We will not hit every story, but we are going to give you the scope of God's story, and we're going to land in what we think are some very important stories in the Bible to lay the foundation for your faith and to build upon it. And as always, we have our, 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 our binders that we are highly encouraging you to pick up because you get inserts every single week so that by, by the end of the year, you have a full binder of notes of walking through God's word with us together. For whatever we can't get to today, because today we're going to kind of unwrap the beginning of a story, and there's about four or five more chapters I'd love to get into today, we have a post-Sunday podcast. And in that post-study podcast, you can listen all week on Spotify and now iTunes, and we'll go further into the story with things that we can't address because of the time we're limited in today here. 
But what I want you to know is that as we open up the story of Abraham, we, we are kind of kind of make a shift because for the last few weeks, some of you are like, man, does the story get any better? All we've seen is sin and wickedness all throughout the world. Like, when does it get any better? And I promise you, you begin to see a turn and a shift in the story of Abraham that goes from the curse of sin to the blessing and promise of God. When we look at the story of Abraham, what I want you to know first and foremost is that his entire story is about testing and obedience. And we don't like testing. We don't like obedience, but we definitely don't like to be tested. However, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this. He he tells us in James chapter 1, he says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and that the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's something in testing, he says, that creates something that keeps you going, keeps you committed, keeps you faithful. And God is going to do that with Abraham when we're first introduced to him. His name is Abram, and we'll get to why his name changes and all that stuff throughout the story. But if you open up the story of God and you read it all the way through, you will find pieces and and, and clues about Abraham that you wouldn't find just opening up Genesis chapter 12. Like in the book of Joshua chapter 24, this is what it tells us about this man named Abraham to give you a little backstory to who this guy is. It says this, and Joshua said to all the people, thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. So what it tells us right up front is that Abraham's father, Terah, served other gods. He was an idol maker. And so Abraham didn't grow up in a family that just was obediently following the creator of the universe. And yet what we're going to find in the story of Abraham is that he has an encounter with the creator of the universe that changes his life in such a way. It changes the scope of God's story as we read it, and it has a direct effect on your faith here today, whether you're on site or online. You are always one decision away from a totally different life. Abraham encounters God and he is willing to step out of everything that he knows. He is willing to step out of everything that he's been raised in. All the traditions, all the patterns, everything that his family was about, and really kind of against in the sense of who he finds and what God does is totally different than his father and his family. And it all happens because he has a real encounter with God. How he has this encounter, we're not quite sure. It doesn't tell us. The story doesn't tell us how he had the encounter. It may have been a dream. It may have been a vision. It may have been a frightening encounter. Whatever it is, Abraham was so convinced that this was God speaking to him, that he was willing to leave everything that his family was about and step out and separate himself from it to be obedient to what God was asking him to do. So if you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country 
and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Imagine with me for a moment. God comes to you and he speaks to you. However he chooses. In whatever way he wants. What is your initial response to that? What are you thinking when God begins to speak to you and and begins to to speak into your heart and and into your mind? What's your response for what he has to say to you? Better yet, what's his response for what he wants to ask of you? you? You might ask yourself this question, if God showed up to you and said, go, how would you respond? And many of us would give the great Christian answer, whatever God says, I will do. If God spoke to me, I would move and I would step forward immediately. If God was telling me to do something and he was nudging me, I mean, he wouldn't take much. I'm in. Until you begin to ask all your questions. Like, well, what are we talking about, God? How long is it going to take? What are you going to be up to, you know, a few years from now if I do that? How are you going to provide? How are you going to protect? How are you going to care for me? Well, God, I need to know kind of where this is going, all these types of things. And God not only shows up to Abraham, he commands him to do some things that would immediately stop all of us in our tracks. His his command and his words when he immediately speaks to Abraham is this, go from your country, go from your family, and go from your home. Leave it all behind. There are a bunch of us on site and watching online right now that go, yep, that's when I would say no. Because I'm not leaving my family. I'm not leaving the comfort of where I live. It's nice, sunny Florida. I was in Atlanta, Georgia this past week, all week long with my, some of my team members. It was 46 degrees, and it was raining all day, and I was like, Yuck. Please get me back to sunny Florida. And I promise you, we were laughing in the car. As soon as we crossed the border of Georgia, Florida, the, the clouds went away. The sun shined through. The angels started singing in all their heavenly glory. We rolled down the windows and we were like, we're home. Some of you, home is so comfortable. For some of you, your family is your comfort and your circle. Now, notice this. God doesn't just say, go from your country, go from your home, go from your family. Then he says this, to a land I will show you. Wait a second. I don't get to know what it is before I get there? No. God, wait a second. You're not going to tell me what the destination is if I'm going to leave all this behind? No, I'm not. I'm going to ask you to obey and I'm going to test you to see if you're really willing to do this. And it's not going to be easy, and it's going to be really hard, and most of us would bail at that moment. We would declare with all of our heart, we love God, we are going to follow God, His way is better, but when the unknown shows up, that becomes unthinkable in our obedience. Can't do that. I need a lot more questions answered right now, God, for me to truly surrender and obey you. And the reason why many of us don't is because of fear. We're afraid. We're afraid because we're afraid of new places. We're afraid of leaving the comfort of family. We're afraid of leaving the comfort of our homes. When it comes to fear, we have to realize fear will wreck you. And so on the surface, 
this can be a story about fear versus faith. But when you really unwrap it and you begin to dive into it, it is more importantly a story about obedience versus disobedience. See, when it comes to fear, we have to understand fear is a vice of the enemy. It's a vice of the enemy to stop you from going when God calls you. This is what fear does in our hearts and in our lives. It becomes a vice that constricts us and it inhibits us and really it paralyzes us from doing what God is asking us to do. And the enemy knows this. We talked about this in great detail back when school started when we went through the book of Ephesians. Because the enemy, Satan, wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your home. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything about you. And we have seen what disobedience has done in the last few chapters of the Bible. Adam and Eve, Cain, Noah, Tower of Babel, all these things. What you have to understand is this. God likes to test your faith. He does. God likes to test your faith. Satan likes to test your fears. God is trying to test some of your faith right near while the enemy is going, hey, God, while you're up to that, I'm going to test every fear they got. If they're qualified enough, if the money's going to be there, if they should walk through that door, if they should say yes to that, I'm going to test every fear they got. Say, so how do you know this, Tim? Because the Bible tells us the Bible tells us that God does not give us a spirit of fear. It does not come from him. It comes from Satan. God gives us a spirit of sound mind to, to, to be able to think and to understand and to hear his voice clearly. And so God tells Abraham, go from everything you're comfortable with. And I'm not going to tell you where we're headed. I just want you to follow me. In verse 2, it says this, and if you do this, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God says, listen, let me tell you something. I'm going to ask you to do something you're probably very fearful of. I'm going to ask you to do something you are not comfortable with. I'm going to ask you to obey me. I'm going to ask you to, to trust me. I'm going to test you. And when I do all these things, I want you to know I'm going to do more than you could think or imagine. I got blessings waiting on the other side you would never experience if you stayed where you were with your family. But to experience them, you've got to step out and you've got to trust me. It says this in verse 4, So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And you'll learn about Lot throughout the story in the chapters, and we'll talk about this in the podcast. Abraham, listen to this. He wasn't 19. He wasn't 25. He wasn't 37. He wasn't 45. He was 75 years old. I would say he was probably very set in his ways. And for 75 years, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is how I function. These are my patterns. These are my traditions. These are the things I'm holding on to. And now you're asking me to change all of that? 75 years old when he departed from Herod. And what you'll find in the next few chapters, all the way up, I think, to chapter 22, there are 10 different tests that God will put Abraham through. Not one. 
Not two, not a few, 10. He will tell him and ask him to leave his home. He will discover a famine in the land. His wife will be taken from him while he's in Egypt. He will go to war. He will, he will, he will wrestle through the story with his, with his servant Hagar and the birth of his son. He will be asked to, to create a covenant of circumcision at 75, not as a baby. Yes, ouch. Um, his wife will be taken again. There will be the exile of Hagar, the exile of Ishmael, and he will be asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Maybe, maybe most of us get through two. Possibly those who are just deeply rooted. Three, but 10 tests. Are you still faithfully going to follow and trust God? This is the story of Abraham. This is why the New Testament writers refer back to him. This is why Abraham becomes the patriarch of our faith. If you grew up in church, you sing songs about him. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you want to do your right arm, left arm, spin around. If you didn't grow up in church, you go, this is why, because you are crazy and kooky. I don't know what you're doing right now. Like, this is what happens when it comes to the story of God. Listen, is it hard? Obviously, it's hard. What's his mindset in these moments? Probably torment and doubt and confusion. I dare to say that emotionally and mentally, he gets exhausted like any of us. But his willingness to stay obedient to the very end is what sets him apart. We said just a few weeks ago, obedience is not just how fast you respond, but about how long you're willing to stay with it. It's not just that Abraham went when God said go. It's the fact that through 10 different tests, he stays obedient to God because God had something bigger in store for him. What I've learned in all my years of doing this, in all my years of following God, in all my years of pastoring, in all my years of having an intimate relationship with Jesus is this. When I do what God is asking, I experience the promises of God. Do what God is asking and experience what God promises. There are so many of you who go, man, I wish I could experience that. Man, I'm waiting and I'm longing to have that happen in my life and my story. And I don't know what it is that God is asking you to be faithful to. I don't know what it is that God is asking you to remove because we've talked about sin and the reality and the consequences. I don't know what it is that God is saying, hey, leave that behind. You are gripping that way too tightly. All those patterns, all those traditions, all those things, I am asking you to come out of that and to experience and receive what I have for you. And God tells him, listen, you do this. And I will bless you beyond your imagination. As a matter of fact, there are seven blessings God tells him. The first one is this. He says, I will make you a great nation. That's what he tells Abraham. He's 75 years old. Listen, you can go this week. You can spend some time. You can do some research. Historically, there is no other nation in the world in all of its history 
that has been up against as many battles, that has lasted as long as it has, and has contributed to the world as much as it has, as it is the nation of Israel. Think about it. This little, tiny country has lasted throughout history. Open your Bible. Read about the different countries. Read about the different people groups. See how many of them still exist today, but the people of God still exist today. The smallest country, the most attacked country, and it still stands because God promised, I will make this great. He tells him, I will bless you. There are many of you that go, God, just, just bless me right now. Bless my marriage, bless my home, bless my kids, bless my relationship, whatever. He wants Abraham to know, listen, you obey me. I will bless you both with natural children and spiritual children. This will go far beyond you. It will affect you right now, but it's going to affect people far beyond you. He tells him, he says, I will make your name great. He changes his name in the story you can read about this week. It goes from Abram to Abraham. And you know, as I was reading and I was studying and I was thinking about last week and the Tower of Babel and what was their greatest sin, they were trying to make a name for themselves. Here's what I realized. You can disobey God and you can try to make your name great. Or you can obey God and God will make your name great. You are one decision away from a totally different life. And the story of God opens this up. This past week, I was, I was um, doing something, and, and, and so someone sent me a message, and I got on Facebook, and it does that little timestamp thing. And it was, it was crazy because um, nine years ago, this Sunday, we were meeting in a local elementary school, and we started the book of Acts. And so like a little thing came up about, hey, this was the church series you were getting ready to teach in. You know what I remember most about that series? When we announced, hey, we're going to go through the book of Acts chapter by chapter. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. People are like, yes. Oh, we're going we're to pull this apart. I'm going to learn God's word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience things I've never experienced before. And then we got about 8, 9, 10, 11 weeks in, and people stopped showing up. So I started finding some of them and having lunch with them. And I can't tell you how many people that I sat with said, yeah, you know what? Like 28 weeks studying the same thing. Like, we're just going to wait till you're done and then come back when you talk about kids or marriage or something like that. And inside my voice wanted to say, don't come back. But that's not what I knew God wanted me to say. But what I thought was this. You can't have a right marriage and you can't know how to raise your children unless you know God's word. Because there's no way you're going to build a godly home and a godly foundation and a godly marriage and a godly heritage that is multi-generational if you do not know the word of God. God tells Abram, and you shall be a blessing. You will find and you will read and you will discover those chapters that you don't like to read, like Matthew chapter 1 that just opens up with all these names. It's the genealogy of Jesus, and it starts with whom? Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those around you. I'm going to bless the world through you. He tells them this. Oh, bless those who bless you. And the one who dishonors you or curse you, I will curse tells Abraham, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. And then he tells them, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
all the families. Maybe that registers, maybe that doesn't. But what you need to kind of just absorb with me for a moment is that the whole reason we are here is because this man obeyed God. If Abraham doesn't step out, does God continue his plan? Yes, and we can sit around hypothetically and create some debate and get into it and all that stuff. But Abraham obeys. And because Abraham obeys, God says, I will bless the world through you. Your decision will have a ripple effect for hundreds and thousands of years. There will be people sitting inside a school that a church rents out in East Orlando that gather every single week and pause their schedule to open the story of God, Abraham, because you stepped out in obedience. The Bible tells us that. Galatians 3.14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that would be anybody who's not Jewish, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Through Jesus, because of the blessing of Abraham, you are here today to receive the promise of the spirit through the faith. It's amazing. It's actually true. So for all those skeptics that are like, is this Bible is really real? Like, it's, it's ancient. It's tradition. Yet what God did then, he still does now, does now because he's the same God. Amen. And he doesn't change. And what he promised to do then, he's still promising to do now. That's the beauty of who God is. You do what God requires, and you experience what God promises. In a few moments, when we close, Chad's going to come up here, and he's going to just share with you some, some great things happening in this church and some great opportunities. My dad is a, uh, is a missions pastor. Um, he's been a missions pastor, a local outreach pastor, and he consistently, consistently comes to me, and he talks about living life on mission. Like, that's his little phrase. Oh, I want people to live life on mission. I, I want people to understand what God is calling them to. And so when he's talking about living life on mission, what he's saying is this. He says, be ready for God's call. Be ready for God's call. Do what God asks and then repeat. So it's that simple. Be ready for when God calls. When God calls, do what he asks and then just keep repeating that and keep experiencing it and keep finding out what it means to live life on mission. When you live life on mission, you look at things differently and through a different lens. For some of us, living life on mission means this, that we take that first step and we go, how can I serve the body of Christ? What are ways in which I can step out of my comfort zone? I love to sleep in. I love to go buy Starbucks in the morning, get my venti, whatever it is, double shot, double hot, whatever it looks like. And then I love to come in, get my comfortable seat, get myself fed, and I love to go back out. But when you begin to serve the body, it teaches you commitment. It connects you to people. And it opens your heart to see Jesus move in the lives of others. I love the stories that Will sends me in our kids' area. Parents emailing saying, you don't know what my kids are doing when they come home and they're, they're repeating these stories and they're singing these songs and the people volunteering back there, they get to see this. They see a kid come in completely terrified to even come into that setting and after a few weeks, they're singing, they're dancing, they're learning scripture and then when you volunteer and you serve the body, you get to see this take place and it opens up your heart for God to be able to do bigger things. 
When you serve locally, it stretches you. It means sometimes you have to change your schedule. Sometimes you have to maneuver things to make it work, to be a part of something that gives you an impact. This past week, uh, just on Friday night, there, there, was, there was a load of people, a load of people at the Torres' house. We brought them up last week at the end of the second service. They're part of our foster advocacy program. They fostered a child. He spent a year in their home so that, that they could reunite him with his mother. That's the ultimate goal, his biological mother. And they spent over a year doing this. And all the families that were there loving on them and praying for them, all these families that have walked alongside of them through this program where they've helped provide food and and, and school supplies and all these types of things because they decided we're going to serve our city locally and the people that exist inside of it. And then when you serve globally, listen, this is what I tell people. When you serve globally, the greatest thing it does in your life is it reminds you the world is bigger than you. Some of your problems begin to shrink and it will change your faith forever. When God calls you to go and you step out in obedience, you receive blessings beyond your imagination. One writer, a disciple of Peter, Clement said this, as an act of obedience Abraham went out from his own country, from his kindred and from his father's household, so that by leaving a small land and a weak family and an insignificant household, he might inherit the promises of God from his heavenly father with a far greater heavenly inheritance. Sometimes what we're holding on to, it's so much less than what God wants to offer us. And what we have to ask ourselves in this faith is this. Do we believe this statement, God's way is better? God's way is better than my way. God's way is better than my plan. God's purpose is greater than my purpose. God's location for my life is greater than my location. Listen, I don't just preach this to you. I tell you this because I know what it feels like. Because I've wrestled in it. This, This past week, um, as we were up in Atlanta, Georgia, I got lunch with uh, the pastor, Brian Bloy, Westridge Church, uh, who's been a lifelong mentor and spiritual father for me. And we spent about two hours together. And then when we got done, I had Johnny and Stephen and Will all with me in Atlanta, and they were in meetings. And so I got done with lunch, and I just thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a drive out to our old house. I want to go see the house that my wife and I moved here in when God called us from Virginia to Georgia to be part of a brand new church. And as I was driving, I was thinking about those feelings and those emotions. We were in our first year of marriage. We had just found out we're pregnant. We were starting a new job. We had bought a first, our first house. All this happened before our one-year anniversary. So like shell shock at the highest level. And I, and I was thinking about the fact that we had left all our family and friends and my cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and we have gone to a place where there would be none of that. And then as I was driving a little bit further, I was thinking about the fact that we did that twice, not once, but twice. When God called us to leave Georgia to come here because we had been there almost 10 years or just under 10 years and we had made family and friends and the church had become something that was a part of us and had become our comfort zone. And then God was calling us to go start this church. 
And the reason I tell you that is because I was, I was driving down the road and God told me, he said, pull over. So I did. I pulled over and I pulled over in front of this pasture. I think there's a picture they can put on the screen. And you say, what's significant about that? Well, for me, there was a moment when we had told everyone we're leaving. And there was a moment where I knew where we were headed in the fact of Orlando, but we didn't have finances. We didn't have a house. I didn't know where our kids would be in school. None of those questions were getting answered. And so I got my vehicle and I took off driving and I am in freak out mode. I'm having close to what I consider a panic attack as I've ever had. And I'm in tears and I'm going, God, you're answering none of my questions. You're giving me no direction. You have asked me to say that I would go and I'm going. I've given up my job. I'm giving up family and friends again. I've already done this for you and you're not giving me the answers I want. And I pulled over in front of this pasture on the side of the road. And I opened up the Bible and I do something I tell people, don't do this. <laughs> I literally just opened it up on my lap and I did the whole blind. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm just being honest. And I opened it up to John chapter 11, which is a story of Jesus and Lazarus. And there's a moment where they come out crying to Jesus and they're saying, listen, he's already been dead three years. You're late. There's nothing you can do. You showed up too late, Jesus. We already know the outcome. And in John chapter 11, verse 40, Jesus said this to her. He said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you, if you believed and obeyed, if you had faith and you trust me, you would see the hand of God do things you could never think or imagine. And then he steps forward and he calls a dead man out of a tomb and he walks back to life. And I was sitting there this past week taking a picture just thinking, God, almost 14 years ago, I question everything about you right here in this spot. And you told me, if I believe, you'll see the glory of God. And he said, look at what I've been doing for 13 years. Think about the faces and the people and the families and the children. Think about all of them that have come through that I told you, if you will go, I will use you. And the decisions you make will make a ripple effect right now and for generations to come. And I sat there in that vehicle in front of that pasture. And I thought about this. You are always one decision away from a totally different life. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Whether you're watching online whether you're sitting here in house, every single one of us are one decision away from a totally different life. That could be a really bad decision that leads us a life of consequences. That could be a really good decision that sets us up 
for a future we never thought or dreamed of. But I will also tell you that there are eternal decisions that declare you are always one decision away from a totally different life eternally forever when you walk from this life into the life to come. And so God gives you the freedom to choose as we've been reading and studying. And often our hearts choose a different path than God. We choose our comforts. We choose our desires. We choose our normal patterns. We cling to our traditions instead of letting go of all of it to receive the goodness of God in our life. And so maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And for the very first time today, God brought you here so that you would hear the story of Abraham, so that you would seriously think about the fact that you're one decision away from a totally different life. And the very creator of the universe has you in this moment to give you an invitation and an opportunity to experience a genuine encounter and relationship with him that you've never had before. The Bible is very clear that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that faith that we find in Abraham, then we receive the salvation he has to offer us. It doesn't come, we don't earn it by being good. It's not about how many times we've attended church. It's not about the traditions we hold on to from the religions we grew up in. It's all about a relationship with Jesus that we have to cling to and make a choice to follow. And so maybe here today in the space, that's what you do. You cry out to Jesus and you tell him, I need you. I surrender to you. I will follow you. I will go where you ask me to go. If you're here today and that's the type of prayer you're praying, in just a few moments, I'm going to have pastors and elders down front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to pray over you. They would love to hear what God is doing in your heart. You know what the enemy would love to do? Keep you in your seat in fear. What will people think? What will people see? What will people talk about? What will my spouse think? What will my kids think? What will my family think? And God is saying, nope, come to me. Come to me right now. And for the rest of us, the story of Abraham poses a big question. If God showed up and said, go do this, would you respond with yes? Here am I, send me. This is Romans 10. How will people hear? How will people know unless someone will preach, unless someone will be sent? How beautiful are the feet that carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus? And so maybe you need to use this time to just come kneel before God, put your face in the carpet and say, God, I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, but I'm just saying yes now. I know I won't get all my questions answered, but I'm ready. I'm preparing myself, I'm preparing my heart, I'm preparing in my faith so that when you say go, I will respond to whatever you ask of me, no matter how difficult it is. Trusting, trusting 
that you will always make a way. Father, today, stir our hearts, transform our minds. May we walk out these doors and may we stop watching online different than when we entered or began today because of the power of your spirit working in our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna sing a song. Some of you need to worship in it. Some of you need to stop and pray in it. Some of you need to come forward in it. I'm going to ask life group leaders. I'm going to ask elders. I'm going to ask pastors to be down front. If today's the day God's saying, come to me, come to my invitation, let us pray with you.